Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. As we've been reporting, the death of 22-year-old Gabby Petito is being investigated as a homicide. We begin with the latest on the search to find Brian Laundry, the only person of interest in the homicide death of Gabby Petito. Well, hello, Crime Creeps. Welcome back to the Case Watch Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Charity. And we are very, very happy that you joined us for another episode. We will get right back into episode number two of the Catherine Knight case. But first, Charity, I heard you have some news for us. Please tell us what's going on. Mark, Eric Smith, nationally known for killing a four-year-old in 1993, has been granted parole effective next month. After spending 27 years in prison, according to the docs, Smith appeared for the 11th time to the board of parole on October 5th and subsequently was granted an open date of November 17, 2021. So those of you who may not be familiar with this case, Eric was around 14, well, he was 14 years old when he killed, I believe the four-year-old was his neighbor. I'm not 100% sure on the full case, but do you think, Mark, that enough time has been served on his part to be released? That's my first question. My second question is why now? Why the 11th time? in front of the board after 10 other times. That I don't think I have an answer to because I think it's almost like hitting the lottery. You never know what's going to happen or who's appearing on the board that day. True. Or whatever else is going on in the world at the moment that may influence whatever decision is made. So that is kind of a hit or miss. Right. And I'm not really sure how I feel about him being released because in my mind, there's some crimes that there just is no rehabilitation from. But you also do have to take into consideration that he was 14 when he did this. And he didn't have the mind of a fully developed adult to really process what was going on. There's so many unknowns in this. Yeah, this is very interesting to me to to pursue a little bit more reading in on this. I want to also, and you know, like you said, when you're 14, you're not even through puberty yet. You have all these weird things, hormones, who knows? I don't, I don't know what made him do it. I don't know if it was an accident. We got to really read into it and find out. And also, was he rehabilitated in prison? Did he do the work? Did he have... Or do you even believe that murder is a crime that you can be rehabilitated from? Well, these are all questions that I have. That, that's a big question that I have because mm-hmm. that's one that I'm not positive on. Yeah, I agree. So just a little something for you guys to think about and maybe throw your thoughts out there if you uh, Google the case and read let, a little let bit Let us about know it. what your thoughts are. Info at casewatchpodcast.com. Reach out to us on Facebook at casewatchpodcast. Hey, Mark. Yes. You seem like a tiny bit off today. Is everything like cool? Uh, <laughs> I had a bad Kentucky Fried Chicken incident oh. on my way to work yesterday and my oh. mind is thrown off. So All right. yes. Could you, do you mind telling the story? I mean, I don't know if they really want to hear it, but I'll give you the quick rundown. So I try not to eat out as much as possible because I don't need any added gluttony to my life. <laughs> and I was on my way to work. I left a few minutes late, so I didn't get to eat before I went into work. So I was like on my way. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to hit KFC. I'm craving the chicken finger meal and I love their mac and cheese. So so, and their biscuits. Yeah, the biscuits. Are, and, oh. oh, and they have the best slaw. It's I don't so like good. their coleslaw, but I do. All the other stuff, I am right. I am on board for. So right, they have still not opened up the dining rooms here, so you have to go through the drive-through. So I get in line at the drive-through, which was packed, of course, because you were running late. Yes. <laughs> so it took me 19 minutes from the time I pulled in to get up to the microphone, and I pull up and I hear. Welcome to KFC Taco Bell. Wait, can I take your order? Before you continue, I very much enjoy you know the exact minutes of how long you waited. Because I looked at my clock and I counted them down <laughs> in misery because wanted... I was starving. Oh, my God. 
All right. Sorry. Continue on. Hi. Welcome to KFC Taco Bell. Can I take your order? I was like, I will take the five piece chicken strip meal with macaroni and cheese. Um, Sir, we're out of chicken strips and we don't have any mac and cheese. After waiting 19 minutes. And I'm like, ugh. And I'm not a huge fan of eating meat off a bone because I'm just weird. So I've heard people say that before. I'm like, well, all right, fine. I'll take the chicken breast meal with your, they stopped doing the the potato wedges up here in New England. I don't know if they did that, you know, nationwide, but now they're French fries. Guys, look into that for us, will you? So unfortunately I didn't get what I wanted. So I just ordered the chicken breast meal with the French fries. And he comes back and says, uh, yes, sir. Actually, we have no chicken. (laughs) We also, (laughs) we don't have enough fries to make a large, so I can give you a small. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, fine. Never mind. What do you have? Because I've already now we're 20 minutes in. You're like, well, we have a lot of the Taco Bell stuff. And I was like, all right, give me the three taco meal and I'll take a fruit punch because I, I do like their fruit punch. Mm-hmm. And he goes, our soda machine's broken. Oh, my God. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He goes, I can give you a water bottle or we can give you one of these icy freezes, but I have to give you a dollar upcharge. No, that's not cool. I'm like, because dude, their machine's down. I'm like your machine is down. This meal comes with a drink. I'm taking the icy. So I ordered the fruit punch icy. I don't think I'll ever not get one of those again. That was the brightest <laughs> so, part of my whole day. So you'll always be paying the extra dollar now. I will upcharge it, but hopefully I can get it with my chicken meal because today, yesterday was a letdown and the tacos were horrible. So needless to say, I'm like Betty White in that Snickers commercial where I am miserable right now, but I will move on because I know something that will make me happy to charity and it is triple D. Here is our first person to be mentioned. A thief in Portland, Oregon broke into a house, went through every inch of the property, opened all the drawers and stole everything of value he could find without leaving any fingerprints. However, what appeared to be almost the perfect robbery was ruined when the thief grabbed a container of orange juice from the refrigerator and took a gulp directly from it, leaving it in the sink. The container was sent straight to DNA testing unit at the Oregon State Crime Lab, where forensic scientists found a match. Christopher Lathrop quickly confessed after he was arrested and will probably never drink orange juice again. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, insult to injury. You're going to steal all their stuff and then you're going to drink their orange juice? Yeah. And, you know, close the cabinets. That's not nice. I just love the fact that he should have just stole the orange juice and brought it with him. Right. He like, would have had all the evidence what, gone. These people are, uh, oh, I, like I said, guys, can't make this up. Hello, dipshit. Can't make this Hello, up. Hello, McFly. McFly. That's awesome. Next on the list, Graham Price of South Wales was a hardworking and honest employee who couldn't hide how grateful he was to his bosses, even when he decided to rip off the bank where he worked. So before he stole the money he needed, he made sure to leave a note with his signature explaining, borrowed seven million pounds. Thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't even have words for this guy. What a dipshit. <laughs> I don't know with this guy. I am so, you have no idea. So Mark, one day Justin Stansfield, a British heroin addict and thief, broke into a garage to steal valuable items so he could sell it and buy his next fix. While in the garage, he found a freezer of cold beers and popsicles. He decided to have some fun instead. He took out his fake teeth to enjoy a couple of popsicles after he downed a few beers. But before he left, he forgot to put his teeth back in. This dumb act cost him 16 months behind bars. Dude, grab your teeth, man. How did he not realize that he didn't have his teeth? All right, so this guy, I got to, he's a dimwit, but he's also a douchebag because he's too stupid to remember his teeth, but then he leaves his gross teeth at these other people's <laughs> house. It's like, that's disgusting. Here, here's my teeth. Yeah. That's Maybe gross. he was donating them. Maybe he thought that they might offset need the new, cost. Yeah, that they might need some new teeth. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, moving on. Now back to the case. I'm super excited to hear the conclusion of this one. Oh, yes. 
Okay, Mark. So we're now in 1990 and Catherine has become pregnant yet again with another man's baby. Guess she doesn't like to be alone. I guess those kids aren't enough company. No, no. Maybe she should have paid more attention to those kids. Yep. This man's name was John Chillingworth. He was her 43-year-old co-worker at the slaughterhouse. The baby was a boy named Eric. This relationship only lasted three years, though, until she left him for a man she was cheating on him with. This man would be John Price. This guy that she was cheating on John with, of course, is, his name is John as well. So I guess it's good to like keep the same name so you don't slip it up, right? Now, wasn't the first batch of men both Davids? The first batch, yes. Now, batch number two is John. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> sounds strange to me, but I, think I guess. I she has like a theme. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see where this goes. So, like I said, John Price was his name, and all of his friends and family called him Pricey. So I'm going to refer to him many times as Pricey as I'm talking about it. Um, and he had three children at the time of the affair. His marriage had ended in 1988. His two older children were with him while his two-year-old stayed with the ex-wife. Catherine would move into his house even though he was very aware of her violent past. He has another one, Mark. He knows about the violent past, and he still just wants her to move in. I'm going to say that uh, Catherine, she has the Midas touch, if you get my drift. I think she might. So his kids seemed to enjoy her. Um, and in the beginning, everything seemed great and everyone seemed happy. John was a minor as well, another minor. Well, I'm happy she changed her ways and now she's going to raise oh, his family. Yeah, of course. So he was a minor. He would take things home from work sometimes, such as out of date, first aid kits, etc. After a fight in 1998, Catherine would get John fired by sending a videotape of these items. He had held this job for 17 years. John kicked her out and she moved back home as the entire town would hear about what she did. Ugh. That's nasty. That is nasty. Come on. Like he wasn't even do doing anything wrong. It was stuff they couldn't use. So it was like a minor thing. You know what I mean? And for her to, to just be vindictive like that. Ugh. Doesn't surprise me with her so, so far. Hold on. After a few months... Pricey agreed to get back together, but refused to let her move back in. Almost all of his friends and family wanted nothing to do with him if he was to be with her. So they pretty much like gave him an ultimatum. They were like, if you are planning to stay with her, we are not even going to be around you because we think she's a psychotic bitch. Yeah. So yeah. Like I said, Midas touch. He cannot stay away. Nope. Okay. So whew. by the year 2000, there were many assaults. He finally kicked her out after she stabbed him in the chest. So he, he kicked her out again. So on February 29th, he actually took out a restraining order against her. The same day, Pricey told his coworkers that if he didn't come to work the next day, it's because she likely killed him. Oh, boy. Yep. Like, sorry, sorry, Pricey. It was nice knowing you. Oh, his friends pleaded with him to not go home. He did because he was petrified she would hurt or kill one of his kids. Can you imagine? I'm like, starting to feel like she's like the Black Widow. Yeah. When he returned home after work, he found Catherine without the kids. She videotaped her children earlier that day, and she can be heard like making lewd and crude sounds and comments. And it also was said that she was almost doing a talking will, who she'd leave things to and stuff like that. Really bizarre, right? But while well, she was just videotaping the kids. Oh, boy. So she also bought herself a nice little black nighty. Now you're talking. Yeah. So he said- I'm in. I'm moving in. Catherine, yeah. where are you? Yeah, Catherine. Uh-uh. So- Pricey spent the evening with his neighbors before going to bed because he wanted to make sure Catherine wasn't there before he went home to go to sleep. Catherine arrived at John's house while he was sleeping. So he came back home once he was sure she was gone and he fell asleep. She watched some TV, took a shower and then woke him up to have sex with him. And then he fell asleep after. So the girl that he is petrified of killing him or his kids, he's like, yeah, nah, 
can have some sex. I mean, she did buy the nighty. Mm-hmm. So the next morning, some of his neighbors got worried when his car was still in the driveway at 6.30. He should have been off to work already. His coworkers also were very concerned when he didn't show up to work. So his boss actually sent one of them to his house to check on him. Both the neighbor and the coworker tried knocking on his bedroom window because they were hoping he was just still asleep. They then noticed blood on the front door and called police at about 8 o'clock a.m. Oh, boy. Mm, it gets worse. So the police had to actually knock down the door. And when they opened it, what they saw was a massacre. One of the police officers that was on this little documentary I saw said that he actually, because of all these things that he saw, actually had a nervous breakdown after the fact. Oh boy, I can just imagine what this looked like then. So they indeed saw Pricey's body immediately while Catherine was sound asleep in the bedroom, unwakeable from taking a large amount of pills. So it was said that maybe this was a suicide attempt, Mm. but others said, no, she knew just how much to to take that would make it look like a suicide attempt. To make herself look crazy. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So Catherine had stabbed Pricey with a butcher's knife while he was sound asleep. From the blood evidence, it looked as if he woke up and tried to run by first attempting to turn a light on. He was then chased through the house. He actually was able to open the front door and either stumbled in or was dragged back in. So she's like superhuman strength. If you're a psychotic person, you need to have superhuman strength. He was in the hallway when he finally bled out. Catherine then showered, got cleaned up and took his ATM card and withdrew herself a thousand dollars. Yeah, so there was obviously no attempt that she was actually trying to murder suicide. No, she she, she withdrew money. Why would you withdraw? Yeah, why money? would you do that? So I'm gonna go into the autopsy, guys, and it's very disturbing. Oh boy! Just an FYI, if anyone's like squeamish and stuff, you might wanna fast forward over this. It's part. Skip ahead. So the autopsy showed that poor Pricey had been stabbed 37 times in the front and back, and was hit in his essential organs. He was then skinned. Oh my god! Post mortal. Catherine actually hung his skin from a meat hook right outside their living room. Let's let's pause and talk about that for a second, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I had a I had an inclination there was issues with her in the last episode that we did where she had the knives hung over the bed. I'm pretty sure that the skin that's a definite red flag that there is an issue here. Do you think? I, I'm I'm positive this at this poor point. Poor man, skinned like an animal. She then decided it would be a great idea to decapitate him. Oh my God. Yeah. And um, then to cut off some chunks of his buttocks and cook the meat with a side of baked potato, pumpkin, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy. She made a John stew. Guys, Mark's face is awesome right now. Yeah. And here I was complaining about not getting my Kentucky fried chicken earlier. And wow, whole new perspective. So she actually set two plates of this meal at the kitchen table. There were notes for each of his children <gasps> next to the meals. Oh my she God. She was planning to feed him to his children. So I'm sorry, if you, if you were going to commit suicide, it would be, I would think it'd be right. You wouldn't go through all this. 
afterwards. No, no, there's a lot of extra planning going on here. We need a word for this woman. Yeah. There's more. So a third meal was found on the back lawn. People have speculated that she made this meal for herself. And when she couldn't eat it, she just threw it out there. Oh, my God. I'm so, like, I'm I'm squeamish over here. I'm oh, sorry. It's, it's, it's worse. It's worse. So our poor Pricey's head was found in a big pot with veggies. She began cooking it that morning, going by the temp of the water when it was found. Oh, my she God. She was boiling his head. This is a lot. This is this is a lot, guys. <laughs> How have I not heard of this case? Honestly, before? I haven't either. I, I can't believe I haven't because this is a, a very disturbed woman. Disturbed is not even the word for her. So when his body was found, she had arranged the body with the left hand draped over an empty soda bottle with the legs crossed. This was said to be defilement of the body to show her hatred towards him. There was also a handwritten note found. And it was left on top of a blood-spattered photo of Pricey. This is what it says. Time got you back, Jonathan, for rapping, in parentheses she meant raping, my daughter. You to Beck, Pricey's daughter. For Ross, for little John, which is Pricey's son. Now play with little John's dick, John Price. So she's trying to claim that he diddled all the kids. Wow. And these accusations were, of course, not true. There was no truth in any of these. She was just trying to make it look like that's why. So this is clearly premeditated, clearly thought out. She knew exactly what she was going to do. She was going to seduce him in her little black nightie because she knew he couldn't resist. And she was going to kill him, skin him, cut his head off and feed his buttocks to his kids. And then try to blame it all on him for being a bad person. And everybody who knew this guy said he was such like he was just a great guy. Like he was just a, a great, you know, friend, neighbor, sibling. He was just awesome. This course. is probably one of the craziest cases I've ever it, heard. It really was. It was a lot. I had to stop. Like I would do some research and I'd have to stop because I was like, whoa, I just couldn't. It would, it's ooh. So Catherine actually tried to get a plea deal, but was denied. Good. Her arrangement was on February 2nd, 2001. She pleaded not guilty. Uh, what by the F, reason guys? of nope, mental nope, no nope just said oh, she just was, straight up not guilty just said she wasn't guilty so the trial was supposed to start July 23rd 2001 but it got pushed due to her lawyer being ill i don't know what he was ill with but he was ill so it actually began October 15th 2001 so she was actually nicknamed Australia's Hannibal Lecter for obvious reasons I think Hannibal Lecter took lessons from her yeah so i just wanted to put that in there before i continue on so justice Barry O'Keefe told 60 possible jurors that they could back out because of all the photographic evidence. Yes, please. Yep, five of them decided to back out. Several more ended up dropping out, leaving the jury impaneled. Before adjourning until the next day, Catherine's lawyer spoke with the judge. The next morning, it was announced that the plea was being changed to guilty. Justice Barry O'Keefe dismissed the jury and instructed an assessment by a psychiatrist. She was deemed sane. Say what? She was deemed sane. I, I am in shock. That's, yeah. Yeah, She's wow. Just, so in this, again, in this documentary, like I said, we'll link it. There was a, psychiat or a psychiatrist or a psychologist anyways. And she basically just said she is psychotic. That is her diagnosis. She is just a psychotic person. So Catherine would never give any reason for changing her plea, but would take no responsibility for her actions. At her sentencing hearing, Catherine's lawyers wanted her to be excused so she didn't have to hear the facts. The judge said, no to this. Her lawyers didn't want her to have to see the horrific pictures that she did, that she, the mess she made and hear the horrible accounts from the coroner. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Yep. 
poor Catherine had to be sedated while listening to the gory details of all of the heinous acts. Isn't that sad? Yeah, that's super sad. I almost don't feel bad for you. Yeah, you think? So on November 8th, Judge O'Keefe was very to the point in acknowledging how horrible this crime was and the lack of any remorse shown by Catherine. For these reasons, he sentenced her to life in prison with no possibility of parole. He had her papers marked in quotations, never to be released. So Mark, she's actually the first woman in history of Australia to be um, sentenced to prison for life with no possibility of parole. Thank God, finally yeah. a man who can say no to her. Yep. Oh, that's a good point. Yes. She probably, that was probably the most devastating thing because I think she felt like she probably had this control over people. Exactly. And to finally be told no. Yep. Great. So um, of June 2006, she appealed her life sentence. This was quickly denied. Thank the judge, God. The judge made this statement. This was an appalling crime almost beyond contemplation in a civilized society. Yeah. Thank so basically like F you, you're not, you're never coming out of jail. So she still currently sits in jail at Silverwater Women's Correctional Center. Um, and she's currently 66 years old. I bet she has men to this day who probably still write her letters. Mm -hmm. That's a group of people that I will never understand that go after those who are, are locked up and like fall in love with them. So in 2008, John Price's daughter, Rosemary Biddle, was furious about the gruesome murder being turned into a movie. The film was to be called The Speckled Hen. This was a nickname that John had for Catherine due to her red hair and freckles. So she was a redhead. She had curly red hair and she had a bunch of freckles. So his daughter goes on to say, I thought, you can't be serious. I was absolutely shocked. And then goes on to say, I have three children myself. My eldest is 13. He was only four when dad died. What's going to happen when they're older and they're at friends' houses? And other kids say, let's watch this movie. So her kids actually don't know all the details, of Thank course. God. Thank God. So she's trying to shield them. And I don't blame her. You know, she's trying to shield her family because they don't need to know that about their now past grandfather, you know? So, um, Mark, there actually is, there was a book written about this and it was called, it is called, sorry, Beyond Bad, The Life and Crimes of Catherine Knight, Australia's Hannibal. And it's by Sandra Lee. And you can find that um, on Amazon if you want or anywhere you buy books. And the TV episode that I saw was 2014 TV episode, IMDB, Crimes That Shook Australia, Catherine Mary Knight. So there's a I'm lot. I'm going to have to watch this. My, oh, yeah, you are going to have to watch it. So let me also just say a few things. So when interviewed, all the men that came before Pricey, they were all asked, why would they keep going back? And they all said that she was amazing in the bedroom. Oh my God, I called it. I was right. Yep. I said that as a smart ass. But the detectives also said when interviewing these men. Uh, hopefully they didn't say, yeah, we agree. No. <laughs> okay. So also when interviewing these men, the detective noted that each and every one of these men were these like big, strong, calloused hand men. And every single one of them were almost brought to tears because they realized that could have been them. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That This is the craziest case I have ever heard. It's crazy. I, I have heard nothing that, that even comes close to this. Nope. So Catherine's act of murder is parasite, cannibalism, and dismemberment. So I had to look up the parasite. It just means killing someone close to you. And I think cannibalism speaks for itself and dismemberment speaks for itself. And, oh, I forgot to tell you guys this. So the medical examiner said that it was the most precise cutting he has ever seen. I'm surprised you didn't want to give her a job. Right? You know what I think we should do for fun? What? I'm going to throw this out there since this is an Australian case and we have discovered that we are uber popular in Australia. Yep. We've actually heard from a, a good amount. A whole people. bunch of them. Yeah. I want the Australian people to bless us with one of their terms that we may not be familiar with. Yes. 
for caffeine. All right. So our Australian viewers, actually all of our viewers, but our Australian viewers especially, can you please give us a derogatory word that would explain Catherine? I, I think... We owe it to you guys when we will use that for any Australian female criminal that this fits from this point forward. Absolutely. Charity, I need to thank you for making it so I do not need to buy dinner tonight because my <laughs> appetite is gone. This is the grossest case I, I have ever heard in my life, but I'm so happy you told it to me and I don't, I can't even believe I didn't know I, about this. This is why I love doing this so much. So the minds of these people like, I think there are people out there that are actually just, as they say, bad humans. They're just, they were born in a way, like, yes, her upbringing was not good at all, but there's lots of people who have horrible upbringings and they're perfectly fine functioning people and don't murder people or stab people. There's people, people who or, use it as an excuse yes. and there's people who use it as a motivator yep. to make their life better. Yeah. I think she just, she needed the control and to to tell people what to do. And Do you know what scares me? What? Is there somebody out there listening to the story right now? And they're going, hold my beer. You ain't seen nothing yet. I know. That's the sad part. I know. I agree. I agree. But I think it's important to get these stories out there. Because again, this is the other end of domestic abuse. Yes. Like absolutely. every single man that they interviewed that she was with said that they were afraid for their lives and they were they were battered men, truly battered men. She just was able to, I don't know. Yeah. So we we have discussed that we're going to be doing the domestic violence special. I want to make sure that we we understand and know that domestic Absolutely. violence is not just a man on woman crime anymore. Nope. Domestic violence comes in all shapes and forms. It's no longer just bound to the man versus woman. We have such a dynamic in life now that it can happen in so many different ways. And that's why we're trying to bring as much light to the subject so we can try to prevent that as well. So like I said, reach out to us if you'd like to help us out and tell your story yes, as well. Yes, please do. And these people just seem to be able to manipulate people into doing what they want, you know, and it's, it's just, scary. It's just, it's absolutely scary. And can you imagine being his daughters and knowing all the details? Cause I'm sure, I'm sure they were in the courtroom knowing all the details of what she did to their father. She didn't just kill him. She it's a disgrace. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up today's episode. I just want to let you know that we're so thankful that you join us each and every episode. I want to remind you, you want to hear your voice played on the air. Leave us a voicemail 603-212-4600, 603-212-4600. Send us an email at info at casewatchpodcast.com. We're also available on Facebook and Instagram at casewatchpodcast. And you can also follow us on Twitter at casewatchpod. All right. So we hope we hear from you soon. With all that being said, have a great week, guys. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Case Watch Podcast. Have a good one. Bye, guys. See ya. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.